0: Welcome to the Thinking Pilates podcast, where show after show, we bring you a different way to think about teaching Pilates. We make you dig deep, ask the tough questions, and keep unraveling the rich layers of teaching movement. I'm Chantelle Lopez, founder of Skillful Teaching, an international education company just for Pilates and movement teachers, and author of Moving Beyond Technique. I am so gratefully joined in this delightful and crazy endeavor by my sometimes co-host and podcast co-founder, master teacher and mentor, Deborah Colway. Welcome to episode 39, another wonderful exploration with our new co-host, James Crater. We're just so damn excited to have him as a part of the team. The conversations we've had on and off recording have been incredibly rich stirring up all kinds of edgy and fun topics we can't wait to share with you. In this episode, James and I use one of his recent articles titled, What They're Really Saying Is, which we've linked to in the show notes. In this article, James shares a teaching experience, perhaps you'd even call it an epiphany, and it has everything to do with listening to what our students are not telling us, what they're not saying We dive into some really cool stuff I've been exploring for myself this past year, um, including how the brain learns, something called cognitive overload, and top-down versus bottom-up processing. There are some really great ideas in this episode and, of course, lots of laughs, so let's get to it, shall we? Welcome back, everybody. Howdy, James. How's it going? I'm
1: good, Chantel.
0: (laughs) Good, good. So this is our this is our second round together which is really exciting and in episode 38 we um we linked to an article that you had just written which was really really valuable really insightful and and I posted it on my Facebook page um a couple of times actually just recently maybe yesterday again but also a few weeks ago and it's gotten such wonderful response I mean people are really really resonating with with the topic. So the name of the article was what they're really saying is and uh, it's striking to me because it's an it's a topic in an area uh, that I've been diving into a lot recently but also over the last couple of years, you know, talking about skillfulness in teaching, right? Not about the technical stuff, but about how to be with our students and I just wanted to share um, the kind of the premise of this article and then, and then have you, you know, jump in with us and and give us some sense of where this is coming from and heading to for you. But you open the article okay. saying, it's a quote, you're right. There's so much to feel, which is admittedly a response that you used to give students every time they would say there's so much to think about. And um, you know I think that's so interesting because it's you know when I read that, I think, oh yeah, that's very much in line with what I feel like it's what I feel like matters, right, shifting attention from the thinking to the feeling, and I know that through uh our collaboration and what I know of you and your teaching this is very much in alignment on the surface at least with what you also feel like is important, and yet. There was an insight, a really, really interesting and really relevant insight that you had about this what you called canned response and um and that really is what the article is about is shifting the response that you had for your students to something even uh, mm, more potent, I guess is what I would say so w- tell us about this,
1: yeah. So, you know, I think ultimately, yes, I would love to get my students, my clients, my fellow teachers to vibrate and become more aware of uh, feelings, sensations, um, you know, sort of what is is being picked up by the nervous system as you're moving, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, conversations, and I'm just going to preface this, pardon me. I'm suffering with allergies right now, so you're going to hear me cough and, oh, my no. throat and all that wonderful human stuff to go through today.
2: <laughs>
0: well, um, if, we, if, and, if you know,
1: if, I live in Sacramento, what am I going to say?
0: I know. I know, the city so. of trees. <laughs> <to> be damned. <laughs>
1: so, uh yes, ultimately I would love to get everyone to that wonderful feeling feeling state. Um and that was something I, you know, I sort of uh um to find importance within. Um, years ago, like when I first became a, a, an instructor, I sort of tried to get my students out of the thinking phase and into the, into the feeling phase. And what I had noticed is it had become really sort of a, like an automatic canned response mm-hmm. of, you know, they'd say, oh, there's so much to think about. I'm like, yeah, you're right. There's so much to feel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was sort of like a very blase, casual shifting of the conversation. You know, oftentimes that would start a conversation. Mm -hmm. So it would become, you know, like, what do you feel or what do you notice or whatever it is. And I can blatantly, crystal clear, remember when I had the revelation that I mentioned sort of in, in the article. I was training someone on the core line and I was standing there and watching them move. And I had given them, and especially on the core line, like I don't give a lot of technical cues mm-hmm. on the core line. Anything that's like technically cued on the core line, I'm usually much more hands on, mm-hmm. more so than put you this here and do this. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it wasn't, I wasn't giving them a lot of technical, physical cues, but whatever cueing I had done, this client said, and I was sort of standing back from them, just watching, and this client goes, ugh. There's so much to think about. And for a moment, you know, I really wanted to give the, you're right, there's so much to feel cue, and just something shifted. I was sitting there, and I was watching them, and I could just feel how nervous they were on the core line, not nervous that they were going to fall off or hurt themselves. They were anxious and nervous about doing the movement incorrectly. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And a little of my teaching philosophy, I mean, my teaching philosophy in, in general is that you, you're probably not going to get a movement incorrect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's just that you're just moving. Yeah. Uh, but specifically on the core line, I think for me, like, core line in specific is, you know, just a free reign of movement. Like, we're just sort of working out movement strategies on the core line. Mm-hmm. So it was just so interesting to me that, you know, I'm like on the core line there's so much to think about like what are you talking about (laughs) and so it's just this you know it's just this revelation of oh what what they're really saying is um there's so much to think about equal sign I'm really worried that I'm going to get something wrong I'm really 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 anxious about doing this incorrectly
2: right
1: and so it sort of caused me pause and I thought, oh they don't need my canned response of there's so much to feel because that's yet another thing for them to have to search for and do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What they need is permission in that moment they just need permission to acknowledge a that they're you know intimidated that they're worried um, that there's that there is a fear in getting something wrong right And mm-hmm. then sort of uh, guidance and how to process through that. Mm -hmm. and in the article uh, you know, it wasn't until that was a while ago that that sort of happened and then, you know, I think through, you know, just research and then conversations with you, you know, the series of top-down versus bottom-up processing Mm -hmm. have become more and more prevalent in my sphere of knowing this
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and I'm like, oh, that's what's going on Mm -hmm. you know, it's like uh, they're, they're really stuck in a top-down top, down, top down process mode here where everything is like, okay, this is what I'm hearing the instructor say, so I'm going to create a vision of what it is that I'm supposed to do.
2: Right.
1: And then internally, now I'm going to have to squeeze here, push here, hold this, not move this, not move that. Oh, and also remember to breathe and create some sort of rhythm mm-hmm. with this, mm-hmm. something I, I've never done before. You know, versus a bottom-up process of like, well, what does it feel like? You know, when I push out on this cart, what does that what does that feel like? What is the resistance informing my body?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, it's, it was this very um, in the moment. It was just a very clear, like, oh no, 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 no. They're not saying that there's so much to think about. They're saying that there's so much to get wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. And then,
1: what does that what <clears throat> does that actually? How do I actually work with this? Like, what? How do I help guide? someone out of this. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what the article was about.
0: Yeah. And what, and what have you, what do you, what have you found successful? Like, well, I think uh,
1: just, you know, opening up dialogue mm-hmm. is I think, you know, like I said, I, I sort of, um, when a client says, there's so much to think about, I immediately know, like we're, we're done. We're done dictating cues
2: mm-hmm, for right mm-hmm, now. Right. There, are, there
1: is there is no more cueing to be done here. There's no more clarification of cues. We're just not going to do cues. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do is start a conversation. And so we'll often go like, well, what are you? Um, you know, like, well, th- tell me what 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 are you thinking about?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What about this is is thoughtful? So talk me through your process. Like, what are you doing? What are you informing your body to do right now
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that will sort of give me a cue as to like well where is the processing coming from you know are you are you trying to stabilize right now or are you trying to move right now
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are
1: you trying to you know like where where in that movement matrix are you stuck right.
2: you know, like
1: what is what is going on for you within the experience and then I'll often cue things like well what seems um and, and generally, what I'll really do is I'll just give them permission to even say that they're worried about getting it wrong. Yes. And I'll say something like, "You know, are you are you afraid of getting this wrong?" Yes. I, I try to mm-hmm. stay away from afraid because right. I even mentioned that in the article. It was a it was a really ugly experience with the word afraid, uh-huh. and I really try to stay away from that. But I'll say something like, "You know, is there you know is uh, is there worry that you might get this wrong, or are you intimidated that you might get this wrong, or?" Um, what would be so wrong with getting this wrong? Yeah, yeah, and uh, You know and that will start a conversation at least that that highlights that getting it wrong is within their brain mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and You know and then I'll sort of uh, assure them that there's no there is no getting it wrong you know, it's um, the, One of the most beautiful teaching moments I've ever witnessed about getting things wrong Elizabeth Larkin came to teach at my studio and i have a, a a good friend who was a client of mine for a long time and uh, elizabeth larkham was working with her and this this client was a very very top-down processor mm-hmm. like everything you know everything was made overly arduous by the brain right and you know and she was kind of stunted within a movement and elizabeth larkham just kind of looked at i don't know why I keep calling it elizabeth larkham like i don't know like <laughs> <laughs> like like president so-and-so so (laughs) So Elizabeth looks (laughs) so Elizabeth looks at this client and is like uh you know um what's 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 the worry because you've done this so many times you should be getting this right Mm -hmm. like this is your first time doing this give yourself permission to to explore Mm -hmm. give yourself permission to sort to get it wrong and I was like oh okay that's that was a really lovely teaching moment mm-hmm. of just breaking it down and creating a space creating a safe space for potential failure yes and to go like it, that doesn't matter this is your first time it was it was giving permission to top down process like i understand that this is what you have to do mm-hmm,
2: at this mm-hmm. moment,
1: and I'm giving you permission to get it wrong if that's what happens. Yeah, you know, there's no there's no penalty for getting it wrong, and you know, so I'll just kind of create a safe space there, uh, and and that comes client to client. You know, like yeah. we all know how our clients. You talk to each client differently, sure. so whatever your uh, your uh, colloquialisms are with that client. Then you know that's that's what you would use to sort of introduce that.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
1: then we'll just sort of you know begin to ask more questions of like, well, what's what's difficult about this movement for you? What's easy about this movement for you? What do you like or not like about this movement? Um, where do you think you could use some work? What are you really good at here? And sort of create. Uh, it's really a picture for myself of going like, oh, well, this is where there, this is where the uh, where the check marks are, and this is where the X's are, and these are the blank spaces that yeah. we sort of need to work on mm-hmm. within this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then just sort of turning it, you know, if, if I'll, I'll try to introduce uh, routine movements. So if it's if I can create something that makes. Sense, like an external cue mm-hmm. that makes sense for the movement then I'll try to bring that in something that they're a little more familiar with you know instead of doing footwork we're now standing and squatting mm-hmm, you know that's mm-hmm. that's the one I always turn to because it's the easiest yeah it's like you know that's all that's all footwork is its stand right. and squat but on your back
2: yeah mm-hmm.
1: and you know and then like well okay well can you feel how this relates to this or you know and and that's sort of my back avenue way to get them back into the feeling phase. Mm-hmm,
2: yeah. So
1: trickling down, giving them a little permission to to have that fear, that worry mm-hmm. of getting wrong, the wrongness of it, having a dialogue about the greater picture of it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: relating it back to something that is familiar to them, whether it's a familiar exercise, a familiar movement pattern. And then from there, creating a sense of feel where I can get them sort of where I like to get my students, which Mm. is a little more bottom-up processing, a little more sense of awareness of feel.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, the process that you're describing, you know, uh, of what I I tend to do, what I really like, what I feel like is so important, and it can be hard to do for teachers because I think oftentimes uh, we are conflicted, perhaps, about what uh, our role is with a student, but if... If you are really recognizing that there's, there's anxiety or nervousness or, yeah. you know, about getting it right. Because that's, I mean, I even, I mean, I experience that in my own body when I'm working with a new teacher as a student or, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really for some reason focused on achieving the movement in a certain way. I start to get, feel nervous about getting it right. Like that's just, you know, that's there, I think for all of us in, in different ways in different times. And yeah to start with just acknowledging that this is something that's preventing us as a you know as two in a relationship and the student specifically from from moving into uh, that place of pleasant successful internally motivating or intrinsically motivating, experience and so much more. I mean, there's so much more to that. That's so, it's so important because we can't, you know, if we talk about it in the, in the terms of, uh, you know, if, if what we're really trying to do as teachers is give our students something that they can own and integrate and have for the rest of their lives, that has to be, you know, that has to be fully integrated into them Uh, both from a cognitive perspective and a physiological perspective. And we, we are never going to get there unless we can really just say, we can say, look, there's an elephant in the room and it's wearing a sign that says you better get this right or otherwise you're wasting your time. You're going to let your teacher down. You're, you know, you're a failure, whatever it might be. Um, And then, you know, it's like, so sometimes I was just thinking when you were giving your examples that what it, what it often comes down to me is like, there's a risk, right? It's risky. It's like risky to be vulnerable. It's risky to, to show your imperfections. It feels, you know, that feels, it's just like, that's like exposing yourself, you know? And even though your intention, it, it, you know, you're there to improve and to gain and to grow. And yet we carry this around of like, we are expecting ourselves to be perfect or to get it right on the first time or to be living up to what we think are the other person's expectations and it does feel very risky to be that vulnerable and I think sometimes uh and as you said it just depends on the teacher so i mean uh, on the students so much but it's like what do you what do you what do you feel like is at risk here of like just you know, relaxing into the movement or just allowing yourself to get it wrong. Um, You know, and and really acknowledging that there's maybe, there's maybe a feeling of like, this is a really risky situation to be in uh, and not, uh, not safety wise, but just as, you know, being seen. And I think this is another piece of the student teacher relationship and, and that paradigm that we don't always talk about explicitly. I think we all feel it and sense it in some way, but that, there, there is, it can be intense because the student is allowing us to see them or not, right? And to yeah. hear them and there's just all of this. There does, there can feel like there is a lot at risk and acknowledging that in some way, whatever way resonates with you in your own teaching style, I think is so critical for opening those doors to, to real progress and, and moving forward. And it's lovely the way that you're describing, you know, taking them out of worry, right, anxiety, which affects the nervous system. And that's going to affect the way the brain learns. And so it affects how much they hold on to in terms of their motor skill, you know, learning. And then, and then painting this kind of picture for yourself, like, and not just for you as a teacher, but, you know, creating this kind of map of what you said, you know, the check boxes, the X's, and the blank spots. Yeah. Like where, you know, what is the whole picture? Like, what's going on? Getting a bigger sense, uh, a more global sense of of what the student needs, and then also opening up the student themselves to see that, you know, that it's, uh, you know, instead of being myopically focused on it, it being it the only goal, the only objective is getting it right. That you can then begin to expand their sense of rightness. Uh, so that it just becomes about being like, what is, what is happening right now? The one thing, the, the thing I really, really like, and I think is so critical is this last piece that you're talking about, you know, bringing them back to something that's, uh, simple that they've done before that they've had success in that, you know, they've had, uh, you know, like a clear feeling sense of, because that, that I think does a lot of things that shifts us mentally and physically from top down to bottom up because it's already an experience that we've had. So there's less, there's less of that piece by piece analytical, um, very effortful thinking, right? So we're like, Oh, that, that's just something I can, I can be in, I can do without a lot of mental gymnastics.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, and it's also yeah. often a pleasant experience and it's in those moments where we have more, opportunity, more likelihood of, of actually building those implicit memories. And, and then, and and then that's what leads us to further bottom up processing and further progression down this, you know, this line of competency, right. Where we're trying to get people to the end. And a lot of you have heard me talk about this and I know James and I have touched on it. Uh, the, the competency, um, progression right from unconscious incompetence to to unconscious competence and then beyond that but um it's it's the only way really it is to to really literally soften mentally emotionally soften and move in this direction of bottom up processing it, the trick is it has to start it's like we get it's an interesting uh like flow chart, if I mean I don't even know if we could draw it, but maybe um, you know when we come in or we're walking around in our lives with all of our bottom up, right? That's habits, habits and patterns are bottom up. Yeah. They're, they're intuitive. There's yeah. something we've done, you know, for for a very long time. And then we have to the ones that are not serving us. We have to shake ourselves out of the bottom up processing and and flip it over to top down. And we have to spend some time there. But there is this real moment and and many it's many moments right it's maybe continuous moments where we're looking to shift from top down to bottom up again with a new effective efficient uh you know more pleasant sensing experience so this is interesting flip-flopping in terms of the brain that has to happen so that it's not static right it's not one being right or one being wrong but um this kind of progression through uh the different ways of of processing information that has to happen to, to get us into that new, really owning, embodying that new pattern. So, um, this stuff is just so fascinating to me. It's so interesting. You know, we've talked about, um, interoceptive experiences, you know, deep, deep internal feeling, which is often charged with the emotional quality, right. That ability to sense the body in a, um, gross, uh, homeostasis, like what's our level of homeostasis. And that's not just physical, but that's, it's like the guts, the organs, it's the emotional context. Um, that's also, you know, you're, you're describing that in, in your process a little bit of like directing the student's attention to like, well, you know, I love what you said about, what did you say? You said. like share with me, like, what are you, what's your process? Like, what are you thinking about? Tell me, like, tell me what your process is. I think that's, that's also like a way of just, uh, you know, like releasing some pressure, right? Not only is it really, really valuable, but it's like, you just put it out there. Like, yeah, I'm freaking really hung up on this piece or, uh, you know, well,
1: because, you know, we all tend to think that, you know like even the best of teachers tend to think that people process like them mm-hmm. you know it's like mm-hmm. oh this is what would be important for me so this is probably what i would do here and you know it's really interesting when you start asking your clients like what what is your brain informing your body to do here mm-hmm. like how what is your process for this movement. I mean, sometimes clients will say stuff and I'm like, yes, like I, like I just learned something there.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: then other times, you know, like your clients will say, my clients will say something like, how, how are you a student here? How have you been coming here? And that's what you're thinking of here. Like where, where, what? (laughs) Like, it's just such a strange experience. Like, what do you mean that that's what you're thinking about? Which then goes like, I've got so much more learning to do about you yeah. because I still don't, you know, like, man, I've spent a lot of time with you and I still don't know you. I still don't know your body. Like that's so amazing to me.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think that is particularly powerful because I do think what it's very easy for us as teachers, particularly when we have success or we have a succession of successes or, we've, you know, we're a bit more experienced. I think it's very easy for us to show up, um, in, in this way, kind of holding, like, we know what we're, we know what works. We know what doesn't work. We, we know this particular student, like we've got them pegged, you know, and we know exactly what to give yeah. them to help them progress. And, uh, you know, it's like, I mean, those though in those moments where i have shown up like that my my real experience is like i end up totally screwed like and and feeling like the maybe the worst i have ever felt about my teaching it's like it just doesn't it doesn't work to assume that you know because how, the truth is how yeah. could you ever really know the body in front of you fully or the the mind in in the body yeah. you know it's just it's it's i think a beautiful uh motivation for showing up with this, just this belief or intention perhaps of like, I really don't know how it's going to go today. I really don't know if we're going to be able to achieve this or move you in this direction because, because I'll never know. Now I just never yeah. know all the, all the nooks and crannies and all the ways in which your body can express itself and be, you know, motivated or driven by your, your mind, your psychology, your emotional states. Like I just, the moment we assume that we know it's just, it's like you've put shackles on you both, you know, and it's so
2: yeah, yeah.
0: interesting. And yet we have to but show up.
2: Also... Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just gonna say. You know, I, I I can I can just imagine what people are thinking. It's like, yeah, well, that's all great, Tootie Fruity, but what about you know, what about the skill? Like, you have to bring knowledge and skill and your tools. And of course, yeah. of course, that's all true. Um,
1: well, so that goes right into exactly what I was just gonna say. You know, it sort of depends on like, you know, you the instructor. What is your what is your motivation for showing up you know like if your motivation is to show up and teach exercises i can certainly see where all of this um wouldn't be as important
2: Mm -hmm. you know if
1: your if your belief is i just teach the exercise and the exercise does the magic uh-huh,
2: uh-huh. you know
1: like you know certainly you know certainly there is a bit of that like yeah yeah, um, yeah. that's how we learn to walk you yeah, know it's right. like no one no one has an intelligent conversation with you about the right and the wrong way to walk you just right. do it and then yeah. you figure it out so yeah you know within just teaching an exercise I'm sure that you know there is some of this that is going on in a very nuanced, Shadowy sort of way,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's and it's its own thing. Um, but you know, for me, I show up, and I am I am most interested in relationships. I am most interested in dialoguing. I am most interested in presence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just so happens that I'm teaching an exercise. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the intention to show up is different than I show up to teach exercise. Mm-hmm. It's like. Well, that's what happens to be going on in the room,
2: right? You know, that's
1: not what I'm here for. I'm here for something other. I am here for the conversation we're having right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's sort of, I guess you could say, like one is a top-down process, and the other one is a bottom-up process.
2: Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like
1: just a different, um, a different way of a different way of going about it. Not that there's not, you know, not in that just teach exercise way that all of this isn't happening, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it probably is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And not that in, in the, you know, like feel your way through it, that you're not creating skill. Right. Cause you are. Yeah. It's just a different way of, you know, it's, it's you know, did you, did you turn left or did you turn right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, I think though it can be, I think it's either happening or not happening though at this level where you are teaching teaching the exercises like that's what you if you if that's how you're showing up like that's your priority is to teach the exercises and I I actually I love I love that because my teacher Carol would say to me trust the method like just trust the method like teach the exercises yeah. and trust the method which also meant to me trust the body right trust that the human yeah. body is capable and that to me brings so much like life and energy to teaching the exercises however i think that we can i think we can teach the exercises and we can teach in a way that is uh that reinforces top down processing as the priority oh, yeah. uh where it's like yeah. no oh, this no. is yeah. right this is the movement this is the goal the goal is the movement the goal is the that this concrete end expression and that's what we're doing. That's what we're always doing. That's what we're like. Like that is our one and only goal. In which case I feel like then teaching the exercises is, you know, can be held in a very rigid, very right and wrong kind of way where, you know, maybe trusting the method, uh, means to you don't trust the body in front of you and make it conform to the exercises, which it's like, that's it. You know, I, it's not for me. It's like, I think a lot of people get value out of that. I think a lot of people need that mentally and emotionally. Uh, so there's a place for that. But I, what I want to say to the teachers that are listening is that I think that you can do both of these things simultaneously. I think that you can show up with the, a trust in the thing that you teach, which is, which is, let's just say, you know, the common, the common thread for us is, Pilates, the method Pilates, like show up and teach the exercises as your, as your intention, holding that the, the, the work is enough, like taking the body through these movements is so valuable. But I think that if you hold at the same time, the trust of the body in front of you, that what you do is all the things that we are saying, but in a different way, right? You're you're allowing, yeah, and you've heard me say this before, like you're allowing the body to be in whatever current expression of the movement it's in. And you're, you're using touch and you're potentially using language, or maybe it's the other way around. You're using language and potentially touch for most teachers, uh, to facilitate like an acceptance of the current experience. Like this is your body in the work right now. And, It's learning and it's exploring and yes, it's not perfect, but perfect is boring and that's not the goal. Like there's no, it doesn't end. It's like you don't arrive at the perfect teaser ever. Like that's just not, that's just not what happens. The human body is brilliantly capable and absolutely imperfect. So there's no arriving, like there's no arriving at the perfect expression. There only is the current expression and all that you can get out of that and I, so I think you can show up in a way that's like, i trust the method. I'm here to teach the exercises. And what I also trust is that the body in front of me is capable and can either does know itself or can learn to know and trust itself. And then I think you can facilitate, you know, all the things that we're uh, talking about. I don't know. That's, I think that's maybe all I had to say like one of those abrupt endings like i reached the edge of the cliff and that, that was like all right there's we no more ground
1: ran, you ran full force to <laughs> the edge of the cliff you stopped just in time That's so um, funny. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
1: i i just have to say i love you no. i love you i love everything i love everything you just said there and um, I always like every time, every time we're on this podcast, I feel like this sentence comes around. Mm. Um, I literally just wrote a blog about that today.
2: <laughs> and that my last blog
1: <laughs> for today uh, is um, um, why I don't teach fitness. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all about sort of that concept of, to me, so what I mean by that is, um, so it, it take something like the teaser, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's several ways you can just teach the teaser. So you can just teach the teaser as sort of a, as, as an end means, right? Like mm-hmm. there is something magical and special about the period at the end of a teaser sentence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or you could kind of look at it and go, well, what is what is that movement? What is that period? What is the sentence leading up to that teaching the body Mm -hmm. about how to move within that sphere, within that um, space, within that stimulus? And both of those, you're just teaching the teaser, right? Like there's no extra. You're not teaching um, a a movement that looks kind of like the teaser. You You can teach the teaser, whatever version you're teaching, but it's the energy behind it
0: Mm -hmm. one
1: is sort of an end goal to me that's like fitness it's Mm -hmm. like the reason I don't teach fitness is you know to me fitness is the outcome Mm -hmm. it's not the process right right and mm -hmm. so you know the teaser is sort of the outcome that is the period at the end of the sentence Mm -hmm. but what are what is going on as you approach and retreat from the teaser Mm -hmm. is much more interesting to me um, then the actual, you know, um, architecture of what your teaser looks like or doesn't look
0: right. like.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I would even venture to say, like, are you really teaching Pilates if all you're doing is teaching the teaser?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know,
1: and, and if all you're doing is teaching, you have to achieve this shape? Like, I don't know if you're actually teaching Pilates. Right. Like, I don't know if you're actually teaching a method. Mm-hmm. I think you're teaching an exercise. I think right. you're teaching a shape, but I don't think you're teaching, um, the intention, mm-hmm. the embodiment, the, you know, the return. I mean, it's in the goddamn title.
2: I mean, it's I know. To
1: life. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, um, do these exercises, you know, it's like return to life and by doing these movements, yeah. you know this is your this is your color palette. What do you do with it?
0: Yeah, I
1: now I, I've reached the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I,
0: you know, it's like uh, this is this could be a whole other conversation, and maybe it will be at some point. But I think it is interesting how many teachers I've come into contact with, and who haven't read, uh, you know, Joseph's own words, and what I oh, think yeah. is so. It's so powerful and I think you have to do like maybe just maybe it takes a bit of uh, maturity within the method as a teacher to, to, to read between the lines Whole,
1: wholeheartedly agree yeah wholeheartedly. Because, you can't you're not gonna get it you're not gonna get it in your first five years
0: yeah well and you have to I think though you have to read it you have to read it in the beginning and then you have to carry it around yeah like like a you know it's like the guidebook. Like, carry it around. I mean, my original copy is falling to pieces. I mean, the pages are all out of order. (laughs) They're highlighted. They're underlined. They're dog-eared. They're stained with coffee. I mean, it's like, read it and reread it and reread it and reread it and reread it. Because what's so interesting to me is he does say, just do the exercises. Like, I I love the, like, stalwart, like like, get over it, get to it, get over it, stop making excuses, yeah. just do the exercises. And then we're just kind of left in terms of technique, which is maybe I'm just make this is very interesting to me. Maybe it's like, that's it. Here are the pictures, here are the exercises, simple instruction, do it. Stop kvetching, stop complaining, stop making excuses, like just do, just move. Right. And then all of his other words are like, you know, change the world, change your life. Like yeah. all of these, yes. like very deep philosophical, like it's body, mind, and spirit. It's your soul. It's the whole thing. It's like, you know, control over the mind, control over the body. There are all of these, it's just like this beautiful litany of intense philosophical, uh, perspectives. And I think what happens for people is that they, they're, they're totally oblivious to, to the, you know, latter part. And, and all they see is the technique part. And because unless you studied with him or you studied with one of the elders, that potentially there is a lot lacking in that, right? The technical end. So we fill it over the years. We've just filled that bucket until it's ridiculously overflowing. Like we have so much focus on how should you do the exercises? This is the way you should do them just like this. This is the formula, right? But really If you look at it, it is this, it's not that at all. It's this beautiful blend of get over it, do the exercises. And here's, here's what we're working toward. Here's the, here are the nuances. Here's the essence. Here's the original intent. And it's beautiful and it's sweet and it's complex. And it's about your relationship with yourself and your relationship with, you know, the world. It's like, but those two things, what's so interesting is like, they're not separate You know, it's the same. It's like one is facilitating the other. And this is, I think what we were talking about just moments ago, like you can teach the movement, teach the method, trust the method, but trust, trust the relationship that you're in with your student and with the method itself, trust the body and allow for, allow for it to be totally imperfect, totally, totally imperfect all the time that it's just like yeah. show up for the experience, whatever the experience is. I was thinking about exactly. this. Show up for the process. The process exactly, and this just to bring us full circle to the kind of the the heart of the article from from my in my interpretation and what we were talking about earlier, the, the difference between top down and bottom up, is it something that I have learned about bottom up processing and you know the the building of implicit memory. Um, there are all of these links again to, uh, interoceptive experience, right? Being able to shift and and become aware of the interoceptive, uh, perception of the body and self is in, is indicative of implicit memory building. Implicit memory building is deeply linked to motor skill acquisition. It's, it, it's like, when we learn to walk what you're talking it's like we don't need somebody giving us a barrage of cues what we need to do is practice it consistently and learning happens almost on accident through consistent repetition failing and mistake making and then consistent repetition failing and making mistakes and adapting and making mistakes and adapting it's like that's how we that's how we on a very uh, biological level we we learn how to move and it's like, I think that there, yeah. we, we've, we stopped doing that. I mean, at least we get stuck. I think uh, many of us as teachers get stuck in the first phase, right. Which is top down. It's the over processing. It's the pulling everything apart. Um, and we just, it's like, we haven't been taught how to, how well, to it, move it, forward. It, go ahead. No, that's it. right. No. Um,
1: it's also, like, getting back to the, you know, the walking uh, the, the metaphor, too, and the bottom-up processing, I think what often happens, too, especially in, like, uh, um, a studio environment or a personal trainer environment is even when a client is willing to let themselves go to a bottom-up processing, you know, where maybe it gets a little more experimental, maybe they, they tiptoe into that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: if you think of a, a child – you know, learn, learning to walk, right? Mm-hmm. Like, think of everyone around them. What do they do? The minute that baby takes a step, fumbles, whatever, everyone congratulates.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: mm-hmm. mean, it's a, it's a huge yay for you moment
2: mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. in a
1: studio environment, often what I've seen is if someone does, if a client does something and it's wrong, it's like, no, that was wrong, but if you do this instead. Yes. And so <laughs> you have just not... And, and it's done from, it's done, you know, it's often done from a place of, of good intention. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm trying to help you get better. But what you've just done is you haven't corrected a movement. You've squashed a, a, a means of processing. That's you've right. squashed a means of exploration. So instead of, you know... It, it, That's why I am very permissive with allowing my clients to get it wrong Mm -hmm. and, you know, and then creating a dialogue of like, okay, well, that was your, and what I'll often do is say, you know, if I'm going to do squats, you know, for instance, I'll say, okay, do five of your squats. Mm -hmm. And so I'll let them do whatever it is that they're going to do with that information. And then I'll say something like, well, now we're going to do five of my squats (laughs) so that it is different. From what you know, if need be, it is different from what they have just done. But I haven't negated what they've just done. What they've done is a movement, and it's a movement that is true for them. Right. But it may not be the the optimal movement or the movement that is going to positively stress what I'm trying to stress. Mm-hmm. But instead of saying, "Well, that was wrong, and this is what we need to change about it," I'll just simply make it a different movement. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right so framing it not not as a this is what we're trying to achieve versus not achieve or you know what's right and what's yeah. wrong just it's yeah. just another option.
2: Wrong. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, uh I this is a, this is a I mean just such a wonderful and important conversation to to have I think and and one I I hope that we can continue to have and looking at just these different pieces what I really want to ask is that the teachers that are listening um, is to connect with us and let us know what you think about this. And like, how does this make sense to you in your own teaching experience? What do you struggle with? What do you, you know, what do you have great tools for? And, and what do you feel like you don't have tools for? And and how would you like to, you know, be able to shift and, and change and improve your teaching or, I mean, just make it different, just explore with a different way of of teaching. Um, I would love I think James and I, as Deborah and I usually say, you know it's like we want to be driven by your questions and your experiences, so here's a real genuine uh call for you guys to reach out to us and send us your thoughts. You can certainly comment uh at the bottom of the um the post page here that you found the link on originally, that's probably where you're at. Uh, But if you're in iTunes or listening to this from some other place, so the email is thinking Pilates podcast at gmail.com thinking Pilates podcast, all one word at gmail.com. And you can email us um, and let us know, like, what do you think about this? And where would you like to see us take this conversation? Or is there a piece of this conversation that feels uh, like would, you know, you'd like to hear us explore more or like, would you like to be on with us? Would you like to be on with us and talk to us? Yeah. Cause that would be cool. Um, and we're definitely, you know, we would like to do more of that. So I think, I think we'll wrap it up. Um, we've just got some really great stuff. Uh, you know, we've done some really great stuff recently and we've got a lot of uh, great stuff coming up. So keep listening. And um, I hope you're enjoying this new, <laughs> this new uh, uh, variety of banter between James and I. <laughs> um, and I, I hope that one day soon, James and Deborah and I will, will be on together, hopefully not in the too distant future. Um, all right. Anything, anything else from you, James? Any wrap up final thoughts?
1: No, I think that's great, and uh, I too highly encourage people to to connect because uh, the conversation will only get richer the more the more dialogue
2: that is so. that is
1: going on there. I'm sure someone out there is listening, like, oh yeah, you know, I do this in the studio and it works really well,
2: mm-hmm. and.
1: You know, I don't know what I don't know, so I'm really interested. It's it, it really just comes down to being selfish. I just want to learn more. Yeah. So please connect, <laughs> and I want to know
0: more. Absolutely, absolutely. So the all the contact information too is in the show notes, um, so you can find it there. But once again, it's thinking pilates podcast at gmail and uh, now we'd like to share with you our pro tip and hero for this episode. Our pro tip is to play with open questions. Now this may not seem like a very unique idea, but open questions are a significant part of many coaching and therapeutic methods that not only allow a practitioner to extrapolate information from a student's own insights and internal experiences, but help the teacher to shift from the perspective of needing to know to being comfortable not knowing shifting the priority to curiosity and listening rather than problem-solving and fixing. Open questions are a critical part of a method called motivational interviewing and are used to help a person discover for themselves the truth of their situation to become more aware of their current state, their motivations, and the space between where they are and where they want to go. Open questions are just what they sound like. They're not yes or no questions. They're questions that evoke a thoughtful response. So here's a scenario. When your student is struggling with achieving a movement, instead of cueing them to correct, try asking questions like, how could you do X differently? Can you tell me what X feels like now as you push out, pull in, roll back, etc.? Pause for a moment and rest. Can you tell me where you're feeling the strongest sensation? You could also direct the student's attention at this point to an area of the body for a more specific inquiry or insight. If you see something that you're trying to to deepen your understanding of or trying to confirm something that you see or something that you suspect is happening. Another question you can ask would be, how would you describe what it feels like to... X, roll back, roll up, curl up, push down, etc. If you could choose one word to describe how this movement feels, what would it be? You can also ask questions about what the student is experiencing in terms of strategy or the process that they're going through to think about the movement. These open questions empower the student to feel their experience rather than think their experience. And what they do is if the student is in a thinking mode, they can help to shift the student into a feeling mode, but they also give you a tremendous amount of insight as to what the student's experience is rather than you just assuming. Feeling experience, felt, sense, can be a much more powerful guide for a student when developing new strategies. It allows the strategies to arise out of the current state of the body rather than to be manufactured based on some string of things they have to do. This kind of questioning promotes bottom-up processing rather than top-down. At least it, it can be the intent, but it definitely depends on the kinds of questions you're asking. Open questions can also help us bypass cognitive overload and shift out of cognitive overload. When a student is experiencing cognitive overload, they stop processing, they stop listening, they stop being able to feel, and it often triggers other fears, I'm not capable, I'm not good, not smart, not fit enough to do this, and other things. Open questions allow us to reframe the movement experience and shift the authoring of the work from us to the student. We, as a teacher, are not in charge. We're just witnessing and nudging. So how can you nudge your students towards a more bottom-up experience using open questions? So your mission, should you choose to accept it, Next time you're inclined to cue your student out of trouble, don't do it. Instead, ask an open question. Keep it simple. See if you can get them to author their own experience, to notice what's really happening within them, and allow that to lead them. Can't wait to hear how it goes. So please feel free to share with us either via the comments below in the um, post or via email. And finally, our hero for this episode is Dr. Dan Siegel, author of the book Mind Sight. Dr. Siegel is a clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA School of Medicine and the founding co-director of the Mindful Awareness Research Center at UCLA. He's also the executive director of the Mind Sight Institute. Among other topics, Dr. Siegel explores mindfulness, the mind and brain, and interpersonal neurobiology. His work is relevant to us as teachers because it helps us understand another aspect of the human experience as well as the depth of how we form relationships with our bodies, ourselves, and the world around us. Dr. Siegel's work has made a significant impression on both James and I, and we hope that you'll enjoy exploring it for yourself. Some of the other books that you might enjoy by Dr. Siegel are Mind, Healing Trauma, and The Mindful Brain. So we've got those links in the show notes. Be sure to check some of these things out. Add it to your teaching pile, your teaching stack of resources. Mindsight was the first book I ever read. I think it's a wonderful introductory book to his work and so much really beautiful, relevant information. For us as teachers. So I hope you get an opportunity to really dive into that. You'll also see in the show notes links to James's articles, the one that we referenced in the last podcast and the one we reference here, uh, two articles actually that we reference in this one. So you can link to those and um, read to your heart's content. Otherwise, you can reach us at Thinking Pilates Podcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to the next time. Until then, breathe deep and teach well.